0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. My name's Andy Bell. I'm joined tonight after Norway won Northern Ireland nil by Peter Baker. Uh, Pete, thanks for coming on.
1: Hi Andy, yeah thanks again for having me. Uh, Shame it's not the same reaction to the last game. We're a bit more down in the dumps after tonight but uh, yeah, pleasure to be here as always. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, let's get stuck into it. So we're going to do uh, Norway versus Northern Ireland first. And then sort of at the end, we're going to talk about uh, Northern Ireland nil, Austria one, two sort of very contrasting performances. Uh, what did you think about the game tonight then? So 10 changes from the Austria game, um, you know, a very sort of makeshift back five as it was. And obviously, when Johnny Evans goes goes off injured at halftime, it becomes even more makeshift. And um, so I was sort of expecting a bit of a battering, to be honest, when I saw the lineup, um, and I was quite pleasantly surprised to, to see how we performed. I mean, we can maybe consider ourselves a little bit unlucky uh, not to come away with that with a point, but at the same yeah. time, second half, Norway did really have the better of the play, didn't they? Mm,
1: yeah, I think so. I I had the same opinion as you going into the game. I was a bit worried. Haaland obviously scored a hat-trick against Romania, uh, tore them apart a bit, and obviously... Norway got that fantastic result in Windsor Park. So with this inexperienced team, I didn't really know what to think, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the formation seemed to work pretty well in terms of nullifying Haaland. Um, having the three centre-backs seemed to just give him that uh, less bit of space. And then I remember in Windsor, I think Norway caused a lot of problems down the flanks. so um, by having five in the back, I think that helped with just sort of Stopping the fullbacks getting forward and uh, putting crosses into the box. Uh, yeah, and then the second half we didn't really create anything. I think overall Norway, I mean, we're the better side, but I think we can count ourselves unlucky not to come away with at least a, or with a point there.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I mean, like the, the game starts and you're uh, you sort of you see the lineup behind an hour before and you think, oh no, I'm going to be watching this behind the sofa tonight, and then the game starts and you've got a bit more hope and then two minutes in you think Haaland's put them ahead but it's an incredible clearance from from Tom Flanagan who I actually thought was superb on the night. I thought he was really good. He was a big worry for me because we all saw how he uh, sort of came in and played in that Germany game at the end of last year. He's he's never really convinced. He's 28. He's playing in and out of the team at Sunderland at League One and you, you're just worried when you come up against Haaland even though he has got those two centre-halves beside him but I thought he was superb all night. And really, after that chance, um, which, which we, sh- we should mention Trevor Carson's part in that as well, it's a, a good save to sort of take the pace off it that yeah. allows Tom Fanagan to get back. Um, but after that, for the next 15 minutes, we, we, we were really good. And I thought we, well, that, that, that was uh, uh, the Connor Washington chance where he sort of gets in behind. Then Josh has a one-on-one as well. I mean, for the 15 minutes after that, it was almost like like a wake-up call as if, as if we needed it, as if like we didn't know how we <laughs> was really good at football.
1: Yeah, I know. I, th- I mean, it was really good concentration from Flanagan at the start to get back and make the clearance off the line. Obviously, Carson came in at the last minute, and I, I thought he looked quite good tonight. You know, he didn't he didn't do his selection chances any harm. Um, and yeah, after that Halland chance, we hit back straight away. Um, I didn't really get that much of a good glimpse of the the Washington chance. The the cameras didn't really catch it, did they?
0: No, I I, saw- I
1: thought I was. You know
0: I thought I was looking away, like I thought I just wasn't concentrating. Then I sort of saw it, but yeah, it's, it's a good ball from Savile, who I actually thought did really well tonight in the re played. And if maybe if he just stayed on for the ninety, to be then with a shout for man of the match. But quite good character for Savile to to come in and put in that display after he got a little bit of stick from fans uh, after the Bosnia game. But I thought I thought it was good tonight.
1: Yeah, I did too. Think I thought the midfield was industrious. Uh, they worked hard um, very, uh, defensively. Um, and the same with the defence. Um, however, I think on the ball, we sort of lack that cutting edge, uh, especially in the second half. I reckon the the plan seemed to be try and keep it tight for as long as possible. Then if we're within uh, touching distance of Norway going into the last 20 minutes, we'll bring on the, the cavalry uh, and try and nick a goal later on. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out tonight, but I think that was the reasoning behind uh, Barclough's substitutions. am not sure if you thought the same or...
0: Yeah, I mean, the subs were interesting. I think, uh, like, the way the game's going, you know, everyone was saying on the Facebook and the Twitter before the game, I'm expecting a hammer in tonight. So, you know, when you get to 60, 65 minutes at 0 0, you don't really get as frustrated with the quality in the ball because you're sort of happy with the defensive performance. But I think, as you say there, once it went 1 0, and yeah. we had a bit more of the ball, Norway sat, sat a bit deeper to protect that lead. I think you, you did see, as you say, that lack of cutting edge. I mean, the midfield, I think. If that ends nil-nil, you can give any three of them man of the match. I thought, I thought Jordan Thompson had a really good game, um, used the ball quite well, which is something we didn't really see in the reverse game in Belfast. I thought, um, you know, in that game, he, he played a bit immaturely uh, a month ago, whereas tonight he went, to, you know, he held it and um, he did well. And he, he was sort of nipping in. And obviously, Corey Evans always does that job. And as I said, I thought Saville offered us because sort of, Thompson and, and Corey Evans offer you those legs. You, you want Saville to be the one to give you that technical quality. And I thought he really did. And I thought the midfield actually did work quite well. I mean, it was the midfield that I, that I said I wanted to start, but I didn't really know how it would work. Like, who's going to play the deepest? Who's, you know, at least when you've sort of Steve Davis in there, you know exactly what he's going to do. And you can put two yeah. midfielders in beside him. But I know I, I thought that, that midfield did really well. And certainly Jordan Thompson did himself uh did himself a, a, a massive favor tonight because you know he was he was a bit unlucky not to start uh, either of the first two I thought and obviously get subbed off in that in in that, in that bizarre fashion in Bosnia. Um, but you know I, I thought Thompson was really good. But like I mean he waits so long for a start and then Connor Washington and Shane Ferguson are taking our corners.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's kind of harsh. He's he's, so, he's sort of known for a set piece, isn't he at Stoke? He is. Yeah, yeah. He's got a couple <laughs> of sets And then started taking them. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, I think certainly Thompson put his hand up for a starting position in the midfield. If, if for example, Barclough goes with the same formation, 5-3-2, uh, I think Davis and McNair are shoo ins And then it's probably weighing up between whether he goes for Saville or Thompson in the midfield to join them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Corey Evans in that conversation as well. But maybe you'll want to play him sort of off the right, which, uh, which, is, which is a job he did so well in, in Bosnia as well. So let's, let's sort of talk about the game up until the goal, because like that defensive performance was was really good. I mean, I know Halland does. Well, he obviously has a chance early on, as we said. And then he has that chance just before halftime where he, he heads it straight into Trevor Carson's arms. But I thought apart from that, it was a, a really good defensive display from, from guys who, you know, OK, they have Johnny Evans next to them in the first half, but they have Michael Smith and Shane Ferguson, either side of them, who, uh, who first of all, aren't playing much football for their clubs and also aren't first choice for Northern Ireland. So, you know, it was a, it was a big night for... Uh, for I, I, I think I said at the start, I thought Flanagan played really well, but I thought Ballard was absolutely heroic. Maybe a slight question mark around is, uh, is rolling the goal. But, I mean, hmm. you know, we've talked in the podcast before, me and Nib, about centre-half being a position where, you know, once Evans and Cathcart retire... Um, you know what's coming through there there's there's nothing you know flanagan who's come in at times it hasn't really shown it there's there's been others like adam thompson and mccardle and, and other guys like that but there's, there's there was nobody really coming through that was the feeling for a while and uh, i mean i think daniel ballard did himself uh, like I'm, as i say i said about thompson he, ballard also did himself a massive favour tonight i mean he's he's sort of like uh not to be too your dad about it but he's a real old school center half he's very defensive you know he's, he loves defending you can just see that and I thought yeah. his passion and his uh, and his desire was great tonight, and you know he was gonna he was gonna put his his whatever on the line to to get us a point there.
1: Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I reiterate everything you've said there. I think he, he looked pretty assured on the ball, and he looked like he really wanted to make amends for what happened a month ago after Norway gave us a bit of a battering, and he obviously had to come off at uh, halftime. So tonight was a real chance for him to show what he can do. Um. And yeah, he put his head on the line. If there was a ball to be won, he threw himself at it. regard uh, He had no regard for his own safety. Um, with high boots flying in, he'd stick his head in and make sure he'd win the ball. So that was really impressive. And, you know, it, it does give us a bit of hope for the future um, to fill that void of when Evans eventually retires. Hopefully, Evans goes on like Gareth McCauley and plays till he's 40. Yeah. Um, but we can't always guarantee that, I suppose. Um, yeah, in general, I think the defence was really well organised. Um, great communication, uh, obviously led by Evans. And we, we really did nullify Norway. I mean, they had loads of possession, but it was most of the time it was lateral passes from Odegaard. Um, they really didn't pose much of a threat, um, apart from the chances at the start and end of uh, the first half. So I think we looked quite comfortable defensively as well. I wasn't really, really nervous at any stage, thinking we're going to concede here. Um, so that was encouraging, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think it speaks volumes as well that that's probably been our most solid performance defensively under Ian Baraclough, and it's it comes with with two guys in the in the in the team who have you know, what, 10 caps between them, Flanagan and Ballard. I mean, and especially second, second half when, when McLaughlin comes on and, and plays in the middle of a back three. <laughs> I'm just thinking, look, give me full time right now. But I thought McLaughlin came in and, and did really well, was a leader at the back there, one of his you see, You know, you, don't, you forget sort of how tall he is because he, he plays out at it right back and you don't, you don't really get to see him showcase it that often. But super in the air, McLaughlin, I thought. And, you know, for a guy who isn't really playing in League One, playing out of position against one of the best strikers in the world, and I think it's, it's fair to say that about Holland. He was, I mean, as a, as a three, obviously, when there's three there, it's easier to nullify the guy. But I thought as a three, they all they all deserve like immense credit. Um, to talk about the goal, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate. It's it's a bit of a weird one. It goes in, and you don't really know what's happened. The guy sort of sheepishly goes away celebrating it, and you're like, "That's that's not yours, mate. It's definitely <laughs> coming. Or, it's definitely coming off a Northern Irish player there." But I mean, it's it's hard to really blame I mean You certainly can't blame Dallas because. The you know, just sort of misses the header, and it's it's such a shame because it's the, it's the only thing he did wrong. It's the only thing he did wrong all night, in my opinion. And is there any really blame there for you? I think we can we can give Ballard
1: a free pass in on that one for his overall I, performance, can we? I, I don't think so. He he seemed to throw himself at the ball. He probably saw quite late. There were obviously guys in front of him, so he may have misread it a bit. But he, I think he did everything he could to try and get a crucial touch on it. To, would have prevented the goal, but I don't really think there's much you can do. And Dallas is just really unlucky. Wrong place, wrong time. And the guy, the guy goes away celebrating. He's done with <laughs> Harry Kane there. <laughs> He's clearly got nowhere near it. Um, it's really unfortunate. and That just rubs salt in the wounds, to be honest. I really thought we could have got a point from it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stuart Dallas has quickly becoming Erling Haaland's favourite player, isn't he? I mean, he <laughs> yeah. wanted to swap shirts with him in in Belfast and obviously ends up winning the game tonight. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no no real fault of, of Dallas there. Maybe, maybe if you have to point a finger, it would be at Ballard, but again, you know, he's just it's the, only, it's the only thing he's misjudged all night. And I certainly um I certainly, you know, get your mistakes out of the way in the Nations League. That's the way I see it. I yeah. mean I know I don't really want to go back to it because I know we've talked about it, but I've just seen something written down here I'm thinking about the back three. And you know Norway scoring the 67th minute and if you're at this point, they've brought uh, they've brought Sirloff on, uh, who obviously like I mean if you if you told us two years ago as Premier League watchers that Josh King would be Norway's backup and Alexander Surloff would be <laughs> the starting striker, thirty goals a season, like you'd laugh. But um, he obviously comes on. Those two have a great connection, and I was sort of worried at that point that if we were chasing the game, which we sort of did, that Halland and Surlath would have a lot of joy against a more isolated, exposed back three. But I thought that they, they did incredibly. Um, well, the worst player on the or the worst person on the pitch was the referee, especially second half. I mean, I don't really like to talk about them, but it wasn't even like there were no massive decisions. You know, it wouldn't have influenced the game, but he gave us absolutely nothing. A couple of times, Thompson went down and he was fouled. And to be fair, at times, our midfield was looking for it. But just because, just because you know, you want the man to foul you doesn't make it any less of
1: a foul when he fouls you. Like, I thought the referee was, was pretty shocking tonight, to be fair. Yeah, I think it, it looked like if any player went down the ref would give something so yeah it, it was always as if the players were refing. if they wanted that file and felt any contact they made the ref make the decision i thought um on the edge of the box one of our rare forays into the norway half was it flanagan got done for a high boot that I, I really didn't think it i thought flanagan got there first and it didn't seem that raised to me
0: yeah well, it was, like,
1: it was like 50 50. Away? It was like 50-50, I thought. But the point
0: is, like, sort of every 50-50 went to them. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been a, equally a free kick to us, and that could have given us a big chance. Um, okay, no, I, like, it, as I say, it didn't really uh, it didn't really affect the game. I think, you know, Norway deserved to win anyway. But, I mean, like, at, at one point, I think it was about maybe five minutes to go. And Corey Evans nicks it in the final third, clearly gets the ball, and he blows up for a free kick again. And, like, it's, I, I mean, fair play to our lads for sort of keeping a lid on it because I thought... um like I th- I, th- I thought it, it was really infuriating. Um, but anyway, less than that. One player I want to mention uh, before I sort of read some Facebook comments out is Connor Washington. Uh, now the, the cliche sort of goes that uh, a player's got good feet for a big man, but can we say Connor Washington has good hold up play for a wee man? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I thought he was really good tonight. Obviously plays in uh, Josh McGuinness for the for the chance. Um, holds the ball up really well, and I mean I thought he looked really sharp. And and when he does, if somebody up there with him. Um, I mean, that, that's something we could look at in the future because we haven't really seen that for Northern Ireland ever since he came in in 2016 and played with, with Lafferty for a bit, which didn't really, uh, the two of them didn't really vibe together. But I, th- I think if he has he has somebody next to him like a McGuinness, I mean, it made a massive difference to his performance compared to what we saw uh, from Conor Washington in the, in the first two Nations League games a month ago.
1: Yeah, I think so. I thought the, the two up front worked pretty well. Um, Washington always works really, really hard he can hurry uh defenders into mistakes and if he's isolated there's no one else up there to sort of capitalize on those mistakes with him um when he had the ball when he had chances when he got service, to how to use the ball really cleverly played in McGuinness a couple of times for chances um and like you said he holds the ball up really well I, I did like playing with the two up front I thought it was a bit different from uh, playing the 4-3-3 where we'd have the one striker and maybe two wingers. We'd have a tendency, like, the wingers would drop back to cover the opposition's fullbacks and then our striker would be isolated. But with the two strikers, it means we have two people up top all the time and they can support each other, press together. And if they nick a ball um, from a defender, there's someone there to support them. And I thought it worked pretty well. It's just a shame we didn't really get the service to them tonight. Um, and possibly it could have
0: led to a few more chances. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, th- I thought the formation really, really looked like it suited us tonight, and we sort of got stuck into it after the Norway game last month where it was a complete disaster. But, I mean, I think with the right players in there, you can really... I mean, that's definitely something Barakov can use in the future. I, I doubt we'll see it against Slovakia because we've sort of discovered it a bit too late and, and you know, the whole idea of don't fix something that's uh, that's not broken. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it really did suit suited the strikers tonight. Obviously, Gives lesser defenders who aren't playing at club level gives them a bit more protection, having guys in closer to them without leaving yeah. gaps elsewhere in the pitch. And, and midfield wise, obviously, the, it's sort of the same job really in a 3-5-2 as a as a four three three, isn't it? You still need to, to run about and, and use those legs. But I th- I thought like it, it it was certainly a positive, and maybe a, you know after Slovakia, um, looking quite far ahead now, uh, I'd maybe like to see that again in one of the, the final two Nations League games. Um, yeah, any, any other business before I read out a couple of comments here?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so.
0: All right, so uh, Jordan Marshall says, uh, did well defensively. Going forward, we're shocking. Offer nothing creative in midfield, and our strikers can't take a chance. I mean, I think that's a little bit harsh. I mean, we've said it was um, it, it was a bit lackluster going forward, but the way we had to set up tonight with uh, the fact that the players weren't fresh and, uh, and, and we had to make the 10 changes, I think we had to sort of, Uh, play with a bit of caution, otherwise we could have seen what what happened last month, again.
1: Yeah, I get the frustration. That's how I felt a bit in the second half, but I'm reflecting on it. I think with 10 changes, you've got to take your medicine a bit. You're going away to Norway, a team that hammered us a month ago. Um, You've got to set up and be defensive and at least stay in the game and just maybe create that one chance, which we did have. You know, On another day, maybe McGuinness finishes it, but I thought the keeper did really well there in that situation as well. Again, took yeah. a decent first touch. There's, I mean, you hope he scores, but the keeper did excellently.
0: He did a uh, new keeper as well for Norway tonight. Not the usual guy that plays for them. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, fair play to him. I mean, yeah, if if your game plan is to, you know play that way, contain them and create a couple of chances and your strikers don't take the chances as a manager, you know, what can you do there? It's, it's been a problem for us for years. and It's going to be a problem for us uh, going forward. Unfortunately, Uh, Matthew Mateer says, Ballard looked much improved. Glad to see McLaughlin involved again. And he looked decent at both games. Uh, I'll come on to talk about Norway, obviously. Uh, We've been poor the last two matches without being embarrassed. Um, but a useful run out for a lot of French players. Carson was impressive. Yeah, as we mentioned there, Carson definitely deserves a good shout. Glenn Fryers says, uh, probably could have, probably would have taken a 1-0 Dallas before the game. <laughs> uh, good game for the squad players. will give them confidence if any of them call it upon against Slovakia as well. Uh, Maddy Ballantyne says, Ballard and Flanagan dealt well with Haaland. Johnny's injuries are worrying. Corey Evans uh, led the line well. If Josh had have taken that chance, it uh, certainly would have changed the game and Carson played well being called up last minute. I mean, that's... What, what, what do we think of this This Evans injury? Like, if, uh, it's surely not going to keep him out for a month, is it? It looked like just a bit of a groin strain. He did uh, carry on for... He did carry on for, like, five minutes before halftime, didn't he? So you'd hope that... Uh, yeah. Well, just uh, touch wood that he's going to be fine for a month.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. It's nothing much more sinister than a strain, maybe a couple of weeks out. But he he's crucial. <laughs> like as we yeah. saw in the previous Norway game, without Evans there, um, you know we're not the same team. Yeah. Um, I know some guys stepped up tonight, but you know it's very rare for us to have someone of the quality of Evans, and we really need him.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, like if, if he is injured, like maybe tonight would give us slightly more confidence. Um, yeah, so. rather, rather than the last time he was injured, which was obviously Norway last month. Uh, final comment comes from Darren Glover, who says, defensively solid, but my goodness, how we lack a creative midfielder and a cutting-edge striker that would take us to the next level. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If we, if we had that, um, we, we'd probably be qualifying for, for tournaments left, right and centre, wouldn't we? I mean, we've said that for years. Just uh, if we could combine eras and and, and take Healy from, from 10 years ago or, or maybe slightly more, maybe. 12, 13 years ago, yeah. uh, and put them into this side. My goodness, what a side we would be! But uh, we can't. We we'll have to have to work with what we've got. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's leave Norway there. Then that's done a good twenty minutes and that. So yeah, overall, I think quite a positive display. But uh, the usual, um, the usual problems coming back to roost in terms of uh, getting a result over the line. Um, we don't want to talk too much about Austria because it was a bit grim, to be honest. Uh, it's understandable after the, the 120 minutes. And I think that's really the narrative of this game, isn't it? It's What you saw was a, a, a team who had played a friendly on a Wednesday night versus a team who played 120 minutes on a Thursday night. And I think that
1: just showed all over the park. Yeah, absolutely. We started the game pretty slowly. Um, Austria really pressed us from the start, which is something I don't think we've had to deal with hugely. Um, in recent times normally it's us who have been doing the pressing like when the Dutch came to Windsor Park we pressed them really well and put them under pressure so it's probably something we're not used to uh, I think that caught us off guard a bit and obviously with tired legs after the 120 minutes it's it's going to have an effect um, yeah the first half was just pretty disappointing against Austria it didn't throw any punches um, and Austria could have been three or four up and that's not even
0: flattering. No, absolutely. Yeah, there were three or four clear cut chances there. We're really lucky to go in one 0 at half time. Yeah. Uh, second half, I thought we did improve, but I mean, the thing I sort of noticed was like every every second ball was picked up by Austria, and that that is just freshness because you know, yeah, we we could have we could have maybe brought an Evans or a or a Thompson into the midfield there and given us more legs. And actually, you know, if if you'd have told me. Before the game, uh, if, you, if, you, if you tell a Northern Ireland fan at a random time, you're going to take Davis and Dallas off here, and you're going to put on Jordan Thompson and Corey Evans, and you're going to look a lot better. <laughs> Again, they would have laughed at you. But, um, yeah. I mean, their fullbacks were flying. I was really impressed with the liner at right back, and Alaba, obviously, yeah. we know how good he is. I mean, in my head, I thought, you know, Alaba, because he's been playing the half for, for Bayern Munich, I thought, okay, right, he's good, but you know what effect is he really going to have in terms of scaring us? And my goodness, he basically played as a... <laughs> Uh, even further forward than, than a left winger. I mean, yeah, he, he was amazing. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was just sort of the second balls. I mean, there were times where, you know, things were a bit scrappy Um, and Austria would somehow put three passes together, even though they didn't look like they had any control of it. Mm. And that, that was just our, our lads being being dead on their feet. Do you think there was anything uh, Barclough could have done more with the selection? I mean, I guess if you put the legs into that game, then sort of everyone's tired for Norway. and it, It's a tough one. It's triple headers, um, but it's
1: the same for everyone, isn't it? I I don't really think he could have done much more with selection. I think it was a decent side. Probably one of the best ones that we could have put out. Um, It's just a lack of freshness costs. If Norway are that much more fresh, get more running in, it's a lot easier for them to get on the front foot. Um, I don't think there's much he could have done, to be honest. They're a decent team. They're a decent team, Austria, as well.
0: Yeah, and, and that, those two combine as well. The tired legs and, and Austria are good. I mean, I think Stephen Craigan said in the, in the co-commentary like they're a dark horse for the Euros. I don't know about that, but uh, they are definitely a good side. Um, what else really is there, is there to say? I mean, Kyle Lafferty comes on plays 60 minutes. You understand giving him these 60 minutes to help with his with, with gaining fitness for his club. Um, but at the same time, I never really want to say it again. No harm to the big man. Um, I think he has to be used off the bench for us now. I mean, for a man who supposedly, uh, you know, holds the ball up, he, he just folded like a deck of cards every time. And I think he just saw a guy who was completely short uh, on match fitness. I mean, he, he's uh, he's definitely right down in the pecking order now, I think, in terms of starting strikers, but can still come on and, and make that impact he made uh, in Romania, obviously setting up the Gavin White goal. But yeah, I mean, unless, he, unless there's a dramatic change in his sharpness and fitness, and I think, you know, I think we have to say that, that Kyle's a man off the bench, and um yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with him. I don't know what you thought. Maybe I'm being too harsh there.
1: Uh odds, well, I mean over the years Kyle's done, especially in the qualifying for 2016, Kyle was unbelievable. Uh so I don't want to be too harsh. Yeah, I I thought he's quite isolated to be honest against Austria. It's it, I mean it's really difficult. Um as a lone striker playing against a, a team that seemed to have four players marking you at all times. Uh and no one around you and you're feeding off scraps. So I don't think he had a, an easy job or easy task by any means. Um, but yeah, probably lacked a bit of sharpness. He is getting on a bit as well. Um, but like you said, I think as an, a sub, he can be effective. He definitely has a role to play coming on in the last 15, 20 minutes, making a nuisance of himself, um, just being awkward, and then winning balls in the box if we decide to play a bit more direct. So I'd agree, yeah, he's probably um, best used as a substitute coming on to make a bit of an impact. But I'd I'd probably stick with Washington and McGuinness as uh, starting strikers.
0: Yeah, and I, I was sort of surprised not to see him come on for the last five tonight, because we were really lashing those balls into the box. And if, I mean, yeah. so as we as you mentioned actually on on, on Thursday night, I don't want to get stuck into Kyle too much, so because I mean he came on for what 30, 35 minutes against Bosnia and pretty much did the job that Josh McGuinness was doing, and I yeah. mean that took it out of him a little bit. That, that, that half hour with sort of tired legs around him, him being expected to be the man who was going to provide some of the legs up front because the other guys had obviously done ninety minutes in that game. Um, so I don't want to be too harsh on him, but as I say, you know that sort of ties further into my point there, where we have to use him off the bench, and he, he can still do a job off the bench. I'm not saying Kyle Lafferty shouldn't be in the Northern squad; he absolutely should be. Um, but you know, let's see. Maybe in the next uh, in the next few weeks, he'll get some more game time for Regina, um, and maybe we will be a bit sharper for coming off the bench. And who knows? I wouldn't put it past Kyle Lafferty to have to have one more big moment in us, one more big moment in him.
1: I suppose his game isn't really playing 40, 50 yards away from goal, trying to hold the ball up. He wants to be in and around the box, um, one-touch finishes, you know, getting shots away. So probably didn't play to his strengths as much. I know he can't hold the ball up, but he wants to be in and around the box, and uh, getting shots away, getting a few chances. Um, so it's just unfortunate that he really didn't get the service.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough as well. Yeah. Um... Just, just on the sort of rest of the front three. Obviously, the front three did change. Uh, Jordan Jones and Gavin White came in. I thought White started quite brightly first twenty minutes, as did Jones. Uh, White really faded. Uh, There's still some moments of magic from Jones, and um, I mean, we we said in the pre-match podcast to Bosnia that he he, sh- he should he has to be starting in the form he was in for Rangers. He'd come back in. He was riding the crest of a wave, and then obviously the McGinn plays and scores, making me look like a fool again. But I mean, Jordan Jones, I think, uh, while I think probably for Slovakia. I mean, we'll do a pre-match podcast for Slovakia, but right now you'd say, don't fix something that, don't try and fix something that isn't broken, sort of play more or less the same side. But I mean, Jordan Jones does have something. He has something that, that the rest of our team don't have. Nobody else in the team can do what he does. He's got that bit of magic on the ball. He can go either way. Bit of, frustration sometimes with his final ball but let me I mean let's be honest if he if he if he had the final ball as well as doing all the rest of the Jordan Jones stuff he'd probably be playing for England wouldn't he <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely I uh, yeah he is that one player who can create a moment of difference he can take on the opposition players uh um cause real havoc I I would have liked to see him get more game time I'm not sure if Gerard's had an influence on that um with uh, the Derby coming up this weekend, it'd be uh, a bit Richard
0: Gerrard to be sticking his bacon after he hasn't
1: played him for a year. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? But yeah, I wish he, I wish he'd got a bit more game time. Even tonight, if you bring on Jones, he could just maybe create one moment of magic, put a decent ball into the box I, for. A I don't actually, I don't actually think he was on the bench tonight. Um... He wasn't,
0: was he? You know, I don't think he was. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a uh, an injury or whatever. But I didn't notice it myself. Just somebody sort of commented just before the game. I was like, "All right, that's that's odd." Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe it is Gerard having a uh, having an impact, or or maybe it is just a little bit of an injury, but a precaution for him there, like we saw with with Jamal Lewis. Yeah,
1: um there.
0: yeah. um So we've got, we've, yeah. I mean, that that more or less sums up Austria. I mean, the second half was better. Uh, first sort of 15 minutes were better and I thought Dallas was played quite an integral part in that 15 minutes which was probably our best 15 minutes of the game which was just after half time and him in that new position the centre midfield that a lot of fans wanted to see him in I mean he was clearly reeling from playing 120 minutes three days before but I mean I thought he he did his chances no harm and he certainly can be seen as a midfield option for us and in fact he was probably the best of the three midfielders on the night.
1: Yeah I think that's that's just testament to how good a player he is. Uh, I think he ended up on the left wing tonight. You know, he's right back, left back, centre mid, left wing. Um, personally, I think he's best suited to playing at right back for us. Um, I just think he's he can be a bit more dynamic there. He can come onto the ball at pace, um, whereas midfield a lot of the time he's doesn't have much room to run into. He's under a bit more pressure from the opposition and can't really carry the ball as much as he could um, on the wing um, and also his delivery is very good as well cutting in onto his left foot and getting crosses in and that's something we might miss if we play him at centre mid but certainly he's an option there um, someone we could rely on if we wanted to maybe play McLaughlin at right back um, so I know he's I know people have asked, been asking to play him at centre mid personally I'd like to keep him at full back just for that dynamism Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I, I do overall agree with you. And I think something that, that plays into that is I don't think there's a massive difference in quality between Stuart Dallas playing right back and Stuart Dallas playing centre mid. I think he's still obviously you that, that reliability and, and yeah. of course, one of, our, one of our better players as well. But I think the key thing to that question is we have so many options in centre mid. You know, the three that usually start, which is Davis McNair and Savile, and then you've got Corey Evans and Jordan Thompson. Whereas at right back, I mean, I know Smith and McLaughlin have both played well in these last two games, but there are worries about... Well, the level they're playing at with Smith, Smith's now playing in the second division in Scotland. Uh, you know, well into his thirties, and Conor McLaughlin's not playing in in in, in League One for Sunderland. And yeah. you know, hopefully those those managers, well, hope, well Smith's going to start anyway. Hope, hopefully the Sunderland manager has seen that tonight, and maybe will give uh, McLaughlin a bit more of a chance. They play a back three um, at Sunderland as well, so you know, maybe maybe he could be seen as an option there, and will help him get a bit more game time. But my general point is that there's not the same backup at at right back. Um, as there is a centre-mid, and if you take Dallas out of right-back, you see a drop-off, whereas the difference between the five centre-midfielders I mentioned there and Dallas, I mean, they're all quite similar in terms of standard, I would say, Uh, and maybe that's the key thing to that. It's just a case of backup, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that's more a backup. Um, I think the way we tend to play our fullbacks seem to be outlets. When we're under a bit of pressure, Lewis and Dallas like to carry the ball forward, get us out of... Uh, trouble, and then sometimes they produce a bit of quality in the final third as well. Which, um, like no, I, I mean no offense to Smith or McLaughlin or Ferguson who play tonight, but really solid defensively, but they just don't offer the same um, in terms of going forward.
0: Yeah, and I think that's uh, that, thats what you know what we saw partially tonight as well because the fullbacks couldn't really join the attack as much. It's not really their natural game, and that that could play into what we're saying about why it was a bit frustrating. I mean, the midfield is obviously taking a bit of flack in the Facebook comments there, but there there was no real there, there weren't those flying fullbacks as options as yeah. well, which makes it a lot more difficult against a pretty good Norway defense. You know that that boy Ayer for Celtic, the, their fans really rate him, and Aleb Abdalawi, Abdellaw- uh, I think it is, who, who played played really well at Windsor. Um, yeah. Playing it right back again tonight, you know. So a solid defense back there for them. Um, that that'll do for 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 uh, for Austria and Norway. Then let's let's just talk a bit more generally. So uh, Slovakia in the last couple of days. Um, so they go to Scotland and lose one nil. They make I think nine or ten changes. It was a really second string Slovakia team. Um, didn't play very well by all accounts from what I'm hearing. And then bring sort of I think it was eight or nine of the players that played uh, in that playoff against the Republic of Ireland. Um, play come back in tonight playing Israel at home which you know they've got Aaron Zahavi who, who incidentally scored hat tricks so I don't know why I'm sort of um, putting that down as, as a minor thing but I mean they, they lose 3-2 um to Israel and it's it's not looking fantastic for them um I mean I'm a lot more confident than than like what I would have been than what it was for Bosnia away put it that way um the Slovakians they're obviously have to caveat this by, you know, Skriniar's probably going to be back. Lubacca as well, playing at Napoli. Um, And maybe even Dubravka, who was injured. But the other two were away with with, with COVID. Um, I don't know if they had it or they were in close contact with whatever. But, I mean, those two will probably be back then after a couple of weeks of isolation. And Slovakia are going to be stronger. But the other guys that played for them, you know, uh, that have filled in certainly haven't really done much of a job. And they were lucky against Ireland as well. I don't know if you saw those highlights.
1: Yeah, I saw Ireland had a few chances to win it. Um, yeah, I, I think we can go into the game relatively or quietly confident. Slovakia don't seem to be that much of a force. I'd much rather play Slovakia than um, Bosnia again in the final. Um, I know Hamsik is still a very dangerous player for them. Um, I'd, I'd, even, I'd, I'd even probably rather play them over Austria again, to be honest with you. Um, Definitely. So yeah, as well probably. I think I think we can nick a result. I just have a sneaky feeling. I hope I'm I hope I'm right. One 0 or something, and I'm take anything to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, I mean we'll do We'll do a, a far a far bigger preview into that. I just thought was that was it was right to mention that because Israel at home, you think you know I mean there were two yeah. nil as well, and Israel get it back to three two. with a more or less full strength side, bar the guys who are injured, so like a full strength side from the guys that were available for selection. And listen, they may be looking at our result and thinking. Decent side and and uh, and lose to Norway and the spirit of whatever year Slovakia qualified for their, their first European Championships are probably saying the same. But, but mm-hmm. you know we obviously haven't had had the chance to watch the game. But, um all right, before we go, uh, I'm not gonna put you under the give you the horrible task of picking a man of the match for the Austria game. But uh, pick me a man of the match from tonight. Who do you think would see the standout player?
1: Man of the match uh, probably influenced heavily by Stephen Craig's commentary, but I'd I'd go with Ballard. Um, I think after a tough debut he had at Windsor to come in tonight against Holland again, he faced his demons and played pretty well. Maybe some question marks over the goal, but apart from that, I thought he, he was really solid.
0: Yeah, really hard to agree with that. I'd probably go Ballard, but what I would say is Flanagan wasn't far behind. I mean, probably right. influenced slightly by the narrative around Ballard, the fact that he is only 20, that he obviously did have that horror show. A month ago, but I thought Flanagan, you know, for a guy who uh, has been just pretty much written off by every Northern Ireland fan to come in uh, and do that job, and I actually thought it was faultless tonight. I can't, I can't actually think of a mistake that he that he made. Um, And because he's 28 and because he's not playing at club level, we can sometimes get ourselves into the um, the mindset of uh, of you know maybe not taking him seriously enough or not giving him enough credit because he's not a viable long term option for us, but. Purely based on tonight, uh, I thought Flanagan was really good. But, yeah, I, I can't not give it to Ballard. The way he was throwing himself in front of everything, I was just I was just loving watching it, to be honest. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, you'll be back for the Slovakia preview in a month, then?
1: Yeah, hopefully, if you'll have me.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think you've, uh, you've put in a solid first couple of games tonight. Um, or, yeah, tonight and on Thursday. Uh, similar to, well... Daniel Ballard played, had, had one good performance out of two. You've you've had two, so I think I'll I think I'll maybe just invite you back on. And uh, <laughs> by the way, Nib uh, Nib isn't um, he's not like dead. He hasn't gone into some sort of an asylum. He will be back as well for the for the next game as well. So uh, we'll have a bit of a, a big big preview coming out. I know a lot of people enjoyed the uh, the preview to Bosnia. I believe we'll get a Slovakian journalist on. Get the. Uh, get the perspective from their side as well but listen that's a month away uh tonight is it's two defeats it's two one nil defeats it's two narrow defeats in the nation's league uh it's not really our competition but i think we can all agree that the the main one it was thursday night and the main one is coming again uh, in about a month's time against slovakia we'll be back for that one i hope to uh, hope you guys all join us for that one as well i uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast tonight as i say pete thank you very much for coming on uh, and i'll see you again next time Bye bye